Welcome everybody to the bottom line. So excited. Normally excited about every show, but this show has been coming for a long time and I'm blessed, truly blessed to have a African, South African sister in the house. What I would say, a woman who's maybe the last woman, last man, standing in what we would call true journalism, investigative journalism, a journalist at heart, an individual that will put herself and future on the line for the sake of the truth and the story. We're talking about the one and only Laura Logan. Welcome. Thank you, Yaku. Bless you. <laughs> you know, I'm proud of your work, your life's work, but I am particularly partial to the fact that it's, yes, it's a South African. Because <laughs> look, if it was, if it was, you know, an, a, a Tennessean, I'd say, yay. <laughs> but it's a South African. Well, it's that blood, right? We're, it, we're born of that soil and we understand each other. And that's, I think, one of the things that helps me understand that people can be drawn to their tribe. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you hate. It just no. it's a natural thing for yeah. all of us, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, we we sat one night and we had a long conversation. Almost the whole night. And almost. And I'm sorry for that, but but <laughs> no. but I'm not. But what what was happening was I was just I was just connecting with with you, Laura, because not all South Africans, many. But there is something. I always say something about the soil. There's something about the place, the, the way we were raised. Yes. It's very unique. My perspective is that I've gone around the world and people talk about this is how I was raised. There's something about that era for us. We were raised different. I mean, I don't know. There's a marker like in time, in humanity, that the way, the place, the circumstances... Yes, no. it was a very extraordinary time. I mean, we, we had ultimately the image of Nelson Mandela to look up to, right? Who was a unifier, and he wasn't the only one. There was Archbishop Desmond Tutu and mm -hmm. all of these major figures, and they believed that we were stronger and better together. And that I've applied in every aspect of my life. So whether when I get asked to go and do events about women, you know, I've always left there. Leave. I've always said to people, we're we're not just going to fix everything if you just replace all the men with women, right? We're better together. And that applies across race. It applies across religion. It applies across everything. And somewhere along the way, we encountered the politics of division, where we are now, right? Where we're, they're dividing us in every respect, dividing families, dividing children from their parents, dividing uh, people from the state. Because if you're not a certain kind of person, the state doesn't welcome you anymore. You know, it's it's one form of division after another. And I, I really and truly believe that we're of a generation that was born into a time where we could truly understand the harm of the politics of division. Mm. You know, it's built into our DNA. It was in the soil. It was in the blood. It was in the sky. It was in the fires uh, of Africa that forged our souls right mm -hmm. where we learned about joy yeah. and about love and about hate and uh these are things that have carried me all over the world the same way they carry you and we learned i mean no was never part of the <laughs> it was never part of the ecosystem it was never part ever. of the atmosphere ever because we knew we came from a place that was nothing 
we knew that we were a tiny spot in Africa and it didn't mean anything, but it meant everything, you know? And so we learned about what life is and what life isn't and what, why you matter and why you don't matter. And so we have a real sense of our place in the universe. And also we learned to recognize the light and tell the light from the dark. And it was very clear when we were growing up. That it's so well articulated and it's just, you talk and I go, I, I go back. I, my childhood is playing in front of me when we talk and I see, and it's so well articulated because we were nothing. It's a blip. It's such a small nothing. country with the size of Texas as a nation, although many more people, but, and then we're ostracized. We're sanctioned. Yes. We can't import or export a can of beans. That's we can't right. play international sport. We have no oil and gas. So we figure out a way how to generate fuel. And, and the ingenuity, and it was like, if we're not together, we're all going to die. And so ingenuity we, and innovation. Right. Creation. Creation. That's really what you're doing is you're creating. Absolutely. That's why when you look at... And then identifying the creator. Yes. To create. Of course. And, and, and it's in the middle of this global ostracization rose a just a powerful nation. Pow dysfunction at some images but powerful and that's why i believe that moment was not civil war in 1994 1995 with the change of the guard when nelson mandela yeah. uh, became the first president but but really think about it what we saw was joy triumph over misery right because you could go anywhere in south africa go into a township on a sunday and amidst all the suffering and the hardship and poverty you always found joy Absolutely. And then the power of forgiveness, mm. because that was embodied in Nelson Mandela, that a man could spend 27 years in prison, never compromise his principles, and yet come out with forgiveness and love in his heart. I mean, if you could, that was a triumph of the human spirit. You saw it every day, and then you saw it in your leaders, so you know it's possible. Mm -hmm. So I know when I look at leaders today in any country, in any part of the world, I know a true leader from one who's not. Because I had the ultimate example of that exactly. in my life. And it wasn't just Mandela. Think about you know, how the ANC fought the African National Congress, his party. I mean, they had people who would go from school to school to school. And that's all they did. They lived on the run. And they went to the schools and they would go to the principal and they would say, can we tell you, give you a message from Comrade Mandela? Right at the, the time. And if the school said yes or they said no, they knew how much time there was before the police arrived to arrest them. Exactly. They knew how much time they had to deliver their message and then they went on. So that level of commitment that went from the leadership all the way down to the Intentionality, focus, purpose. And sincerity. Yeah, yeah. Sincerity and honesty. There's something I have to show you. I've never told you this, but I want to show you. This morning I received a message via WhatsApp. I just want you to look at my phone. It says Nati Nguenya. Okay? Yes, Nguenya, which is a Zulu name. Nati Nguenya is the son, direct descendants of Shaka, wow. is the son of... Shaka Zulu. And he's the son of Baba Nguenya. Baba Nguenya, who Dan knows, was Nelson's cellmate. Oh, wow. All 27 years. This young man, who is my brother in Africa, Nati, we talk daily, okay? Mm -hmm. Who is a pivotal voice in African leadership at the moment, right? Mm. His father was Nelson's cellmate. And I sat with Baba Nguyen. He died at 93 years old. And he would tell me stories of Nelson 
encouraging him, don't go bitter, brother. Amazing. Don't be bitter. Imprisoned wrongfully, both of them. We're not going to be bitter. Hope will come. A new day will come. We will unite this place. Unite Now, Nelson fought massive opposition within the party after he became president, and, and he had he had he had haters in the party because he was a true uniter. He was. And they wanted hate. They wanted hate. They wanted him to lead with vengeance. And they've been undoing his legacy ever since. Ever since. Well, from the moment uh, that he died. Ever uh, since. Then then the, the mosques came out. It off. was like the day after. Yeah. I know. But I still Tabumbeki. Tabumbeki. The day after Nelson died, these guys just it's almost Tabumbeki like Tabumbeki being his successor as mm -hmm. president, yes. Took a hard turn. Because the oversight was no longer, mm. the, the, you know, the godfather mm -hmm. was no longer there, right? I mean, so. Yes. And so they gave in. They gave in to those um, lesser mm -hmm. human instincts mm -hmm. that, that we all have. But uh, that's why I say the triumph of the human spirit. I saw it my whole life. Why do I do what I do? Because I know that good is stronger than evil because I saw it. Mm -hmm. I lived it. Yeah. And no one can take that away from you. That's why. You know, people say, well, why would you go there? Why would you? Because you want to see it firsthand because nothing can take away that certainty and that knowledge. We don't always understand what we're looking at. So there's more pieces to that, right? People want you to just react on emotion. I saw this. I feel this. That's right. So now I react. But actually, it's layers of understanding that come. And sometimes we have all those layers in one moment. You know, if you're a sentient human being that's paying attention to the world mm -hmm. around you and you understand your subject and, you know, you put time, you learn over time, you can understand everything in one single moment. But uh, you have to at least try to get there. It used to be our journalists. That was their job, right? That was a, a beat reporter. That was your job to know your beat better than anybody else so that nobody could lie to you, so that you could understand it properly. But now we don't find and articulate the truth and let it be, let it be what it is. Let it be the, uh, the it's way not I, up to us. the way I look at history. It is what history it is. is history. Mm -hmm. Teach it. All of it. All of it. Yes, all of it. The, you can't manipulate it. I, I consider that like I consider it the word of God. All of it. You, you can't change it. You learn from it. You don't rewrite it. You don't retroactively go in. And, but there's tangible things. There's so much to discuss with you, and, and, and please, let's have a series. But for today, I want to just touch on, on a couple of things. When you look at leaders through that lens, it gives you, Laura, a different perspective on, for instance, Putin, Zelensky, the Ukraine, Biden, Trump, whoever these leaders, and what truly is going on and happening. And what pains me is that that kind of reporting that voice that once existed in you it does but mainstream existed yes. for the american person to get gain a new perspective to say oh i haven't looked at it that way that's gone for the most part in mainstream media that they it's almost like intentionally that level of perspective is kept from people if that makes sense. Yes, because we're now in a war of narratives, narratives versus the truth. And so journalists are not encouraged to find out the truth. Journalists are encouraged to support the narrative. That's where the rewards come. Mm. If I do a piece that excoriates Donald Trump, 
then I will be rewarded for it because people hate Donald Trump. If I do a story about Russia collusion, I'll get a Pulitzer Prize. You know, it, it, those, those are smart people who investigated those stories and reported them. How were they not capable of finding the truth? I mean, I'm not uh, any more talented or capable than they are. And I looked straight at the Steele dossier and I could see it was nonsense. I listened to what they said about uh, Russia and, and Trump being you know, a Russian spy and Putin being his handler. And it was very obvious that they didn't have any real evidence to support any of that. So when, when you leap from evidence uh, to a place where you're reporting something as fact, but you have nothing to support yeah. it, well, then what are you basing it on? You're basing it on your belief. So, okay, then are you going to apply that standard to everything? Well, no, you're not. You only you apply it selectively. Correct. So when you see these kind of actions, like, well, you know, principles mean nothing if they're selectively applied. They mean nothing. If you don't stand up for a principle when it counts, if Nelson Mandela had said, you know what, I'm going to take a plea deal and I'm only going to serve a couple, two years because it's hard in jail (laughs) doing hard labor and I might die here. So, but that's okay. When I get out, I can fight for my principles again. No, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that he spent 27 years in hardship standing up for that principle that showed people from that corner of Africa well, that all across brought the, the world, belief. all across the world, if he can, saw then that it was so true. we can. Yes, because yes. they saw it was true. Yes, and it was worth sacrificing for, mm-hmm. and it was worth fighting for. So now, you know, people think it's a choice. <laughs> I think, well, I can choose. I'm not going to bother to stand up for this principle, but somehow, someone's going to do it, sure. and it's going to survive. No, it's not. No. No, it's not. It's like literally it you're, erodes. Standing, you're standing on the on the banks of the river. You're watching people drown. And you're saying, it's okay, because someone's going to save. Yeah. Maybe they will. And, and, and they a, a, apply that to a nation. And now apply All that All the way to a from nation. a family, a father, abandoning yes. children, to a nation. Standing on the banks of the river, watching a nation drowning, and we are, as a nation, and going, someone will, someone will save it, surely. Yeah. Someone, and then, unfortunately, the someone in their mind is the federal government. Yeah. It's Washington. They 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 want us focused on arguing about Trump versus the Sanders. The shiny or, objects. Or mm-hmm. you know, look at all these things on TikTok of these crazy people who think they can change their agenda fifty times in a day and all this nonsense. And while you're focusing on that, you know what you're not focused on? You're not focused on the fact that there's no constitution in the digital world. There's no laws, Correct. right? That none of this is being applied. And we're marching. Restructuring of our nations entire, yes, and countries. Of our entire away humanity. From, away. This is why law is not blind anymore. Because they're redefining the law. Yes. Justice is not blind. You yes. know, it, it, Because it won't exist in the metaverse. In the, in, it in, won't in, exist the, at all. And not only that, they're talking now about, you know, the dollar is going to collapse and we're going to have a central bank digital currency. In the future, we're not going to have money. Rewriting the laws of money. When you get to use a bartering trade system or not, what, whether your social score That's going allows to be your currency. you to go buy food today or not. And who decides what the social score is they is and what affects that? Well, you jaywalk today or you set something that's outside of the norm. So today you don't eat. 
or you just you have that uh, rebellious outlook on the world, so you never get yeah. to eat at the at the. You don't table. own a car. No. You can't buy a home. No. As a matter of fact, your kids will only go to this school. Yes. It, it, that, there's no end to that. No, there's no end. There's no end because there's no law. And they're doing there's it no right constitution. in front of our eyes. Right today. Right today. Right now. This wall behind you. This yeah. wall. You can't go through it because there's a vault behind this wall. Inside that vault is wall builders, David Barton, uh, Tim Barton, Glenn Beck, the Mercury Vault. In here is the original handwritten draft from Adams writing to, you know, Jefferson, Adams, Lincoln. The 160,000 documents in this vault. They want that destroyed. They don't want. That's correct. They don't want that to be taught. No. There's 250 people in this room today being taught on the founding documents, the Constitution today, to preserve a remnant in this country that says, "Dear God, mm -hmm. uh, can we maybe can we maybe preserve this and hold on to it because the digital metaverse world has none of that. No, it's a new world order it's a new america it's, it's an entirely new way of living yeah and look at them it's paperless why do they want it to be paperless <clears throat> because once it's paperless once it's digital everything can be altered of course they want it to be contactless mm -hmm. why does it have to be contactless well because if it's contactless not only it's not just about the fact that it's all digital what does contactless mean it means isolation that's what it means. We never have any contact. They're discouraging human contact of any kind because they're <clears throat> we're being taught to fear our mortality. And we lost the litmus test, the stress test in that very practical application through COVID when they said, let's look at if we'll, uh, they'll push back if we isolate them. If we mm -hmm. say social distance, if we say don't go visit grandma, if we say no Christmas this year, no Thanksgiving. As a matter of fact, no church. You, you can't sing no in church because mm -hmm. your particles may kill grandma, make you a baby. And we failed the test because the, the world we along with complied. The world, they shut the world down and it took very little effort. Laura, because I would they argue already had it in place. Exactly. You spend more effort selling a candy bar in the next five months with marketing than it took them to shut the world down because yes. it was prime. The pump was prime. And they had the people that they needed to have everywhere. But you know, Yaku, one thing I think is to me is very important to share with people. When you we get that sense very easily that we're outnumbered and uh, people can feel overwhelmed. And I say this is a global effort. If 1% of the population supports this, that's how many people? What is it, 80 million people? Well, in the US, 1% of the 300, you know, probably 80 million, somewhere there, yeah? I mean, it, that's so that may seem like a lot of people, but it's still 1%, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's not really a lot, is it? No, but it's the tail wagging the dog. It's always that. It's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. It's the. It's they the, have the microphone. They have that information said. dominance. It's the one percent that decides. You know what? Pedophilia is not a bad thing. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute. This is the one thing, Laura. <clears throat> and I, and when I served on that council to the White House under President Trump with trafficking, 
I made these statements too. I, I said this personally to Rudy Giuliani. I said this personally to Mike Pence, who was the vice president at the time. Personally, I said this at the time to 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 Jenna, one of the president's other lawyers. I said th- said this to Sidney Powell. I said, "Can you please, for the love of life, stop saying silent majority? When the majority will stop being silent, the one percent won't rule the roost." But we are placating to the one percent, not even 0.04, okay, in this gender confusion nonsense. It's 0.04, and we're changing laws, we're changing the English language. Yes. For 0.04. And not just changing the English language, we're removing words like mother and father that apply man to woman 99 percent of the global population man women on the house floor nancy pelosi we will yes. no longer say man or women i'm like excuse me how many are there in your camp 0.04 no thank you step aside we're not doing that where's the 99.96 percent of people where's oh they're the silent the silent majority but they're only silent because they have no voice because their voice has been taken from them because we created a system where the media <clears throat> and journalists and leaders, they were supposed to be the voice of the people. Your leaders were supposed to represent the majority that got them elected, but they no longer do. The same with your journalists. You're supposed to represent all voices. You don't just occasionally, if you're CBS Sunday morning, travel down you know, to Ohio and do a cute, quaint little patronizing story about why Ohio rural voters you know, are voting for Trump. No, you, you actually have people from Ohio who are part of your staff. You know, you have people from the rural communities. Speaking for the people, the voice of the people. I imagine if you had that in government today, but you don't. No. You, you have people who, they may have different color skins, they may ha- come from different places, but they all think the same. It's groupthink. Yeah, they see the world the same. And if you don't see it that way, you don't get in. But see, they, they want to tell the people that, no, we do represent your voice because of your skin color, your ethnicity, the diversity. It does not matter. You, Laura, I can't t- teach you anything you know. The second you set foot in Washington, D.C., and the clock says 5 p.m., the badges go off, the R and the D disappear, they meet in the hotel lobbies, and it's uniparty. They're bartering on the sake of the American people for themselves. The people are not represented in those conversations. No, Nobody. It doesn't matter if you're skin color, Native American, American immigrant. It they are self-preserving, and they and it's a self and it's it's really that old school king and peasants who lives inside the walls of the castle, and all the workers, the majority, those who do the hard work, you live outside. But don't worry, you get to keep ten percent. We'll take ninety. That's where we're heading again. But we're heading to a worse place than that because that's based on our existing models and understanding of the world. There was no king that could do that to the whole world at one moment. Correct. But now there are. There are kings like that because now they can hack human DNA. Now they can control 2.5, 3.5, 4.5 billion people on the planet with the same message at the same time. Now they've got us addicted, physically addicted to our technology. So even if you're awake, say you and I, we might consider ourselves, okay, we're more aware than uh, somebody else. But what are you going to do as soon as this is over? You're going to pick up your phone and see what have you missed? Who's trying to reach you? What are your obligations? Do you have an alarm clock next to your bed or do you use your phone? Because it's not a phone. 
It's a surveillance device. 100%. And we are, uh, we've opened the door to 24-hour surveillance. We've all gone along with that, mm-hmm. every single one of mm-hmm. us. And we're passing for the, it on. For convenience. And not just convenience. It's gone way beyond convenience at this point to functionality. Yes. Yeah, well, it's integral to society now. Completely. Yeah. And yeah. we give it to our children. Yeah. How many people have bought a phone for their children? How many have bought an iPad? How many hand their phone or their iPad? Yeah, like if I, you child? and I, if you and I said, you know what, that's it. We're going to back to rotary dial phones. And for the Gen Zers that listen, yes, at one point we did crank the dial on the phone, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. <laughs> I love it, and I would go back there in a heartbeat. But if the two of us said that we needed that, the system doesn't support it. No. It doesn't support it anymore. And you know what? People make their assessments of how they feel about this and what they're willing to do based on where we are now. And what they don't take into account is where we're headed. So right now, you can decide if you want a gas vehicle or a hybrid uh, or a Tesla, if you can afford it. But in a very short time, you won't have those decisions. You can still get maybe a dishwasher that isn't spying on you. But because that's what smart technology is. It's surveillance technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's Behavioral reporting. patterns, recording and reporting. Of course. Recording and reporting. And people think uh, the most, uh, maybe one of the dumbest things that I ever hear today is, well, it doesn't matter. I don't care if they spy on me because I'm not doing anything. How stupid do you have to be at this point not to realize that it isn't just about whether you're doing something right or doing something wrong. It's about manipulation and knowing how to manipulate and how to control you. It's about you are a rat in the science experiment. Data is being collected on you, not just for you, to manipulate the human race. It's behavioral science. So every single person, when people tell me it doesn't matter, I don't do it. No, you are a subject in a study that they collect data on to manipulate all of us. Yes, because what they're ultimately are creating, we're moving, right now we're in fifth generation warfare, yes. which is the war of narratives. Yes. But there's sixth and seventh generation warfare to come. In sixth generation warfare, then the false narratives are fully implemented. In seventh generation warfare, we are now at war with ourselves because mm. we won't be able to tell the difference between you and me. And this technology already exists. I mean, if people think that I'm crazy, they just haven't done their homework. Mm -hmm. They haven't looked at what is being built right now, where they can take a robotic uh, skeleton and build bone on that skeleton, and now they're adding muscle and tissue and other things. The holograms of the future will be something you can put your hand through. No, There'll be a physical thing that you can hold and touch. Yes, we're going there. Yes. And and, and the first subject that they're going to roll that out on is Walt Disney. Walt is the is the person of choice. And why Walt? Because Walt's loved. It's Mickey's creator. This is the guy, everybody. It's Walt. And he for had himself frozen. Exactly. Right? Because he for this very purpose. It's Walt. And Walt is the guy, this humanoid, right? But then people go, Oh, it's so fun. And I, I can't stand this. Like I'll give you an example. In my house, um, we still train pensmanship to my mm-hmm. kids. You're going to write. You'll type later, but you're going to write. You're not going to be part of a generation that does not know what that is. You're going to write. Children can't write. 
the primary principal wow. things, right? So pensmanship. But here's what's happening. There's new AI that's now writing books and stories for people. Terrible. And people love it. They go, oh, it's so easy. I don't know I'll why just, they love it. I'll what's just forfeit them? my voice and my mind and my intellect. And, and do you know that there's scientifically now it's shown that the human jawline is shrinking. The physical gap in the human mouth okay, is shrinking. Because people are not using those. They're not using skills, it anymore. So the body is, adapting. is saying, I, I, don't I don't need, need a thick jawline. Yeah. I don't need even down to, I don't need a strong enough jaw structure because we don't eat a lot of meat that you got to chew a lot. It's more liquid. So we are literally playing into this on a daily basis so that when, Laura, we say, well, hell no, we're going to fight back physically we don't have the ability we to won't do have the ability it's to like do the it. movie wally that's yes. exactly it when everybody ends up just being a big fat person behind that's a right. behind and now a that you want to now you can't and now you want to now you can't yeah but what's happening in china right now? i want you to look into this oh man i want the show to be four hours china right now are literally encouraging mm. promoting and almost force feeding all their young men testosterone mm. they are on because they need an army. They are building men. The average height, go study, the average height of a Chinese male has increased over the last 10 years by over three inches. They are breeding men while we are weakening them. Yes, absolutely. You see it all the time. In fact, it starts with And then the day is going to come or we will fight China. The day you want to, you will physically not, not be, be able, able to. to. Yaku, what do you think Adderall and all of these pediatric pharmaceuticals are aimed at? They're aimed primarily at boys. Yeah. And what they do is punish you for being a boy. Yeah. And, and they're amphetamines. So they're, the impact is that they suppress appetite. Well, what happens then? You never grow up to be big and strong. That's why you have all these skinny little white kids in Antifa, yeah. right? Who are all, you know, bugged out on drugs. Yeah. Because they they turn them into drug addicts from when they're five, six, seven, eight years old. They don't know how to function without drugs. They sh they feed, you know, feed them amphetamines, which is just another derivative mm -hmm. from methamphetamines, yeah. and has the same effect. And then, of course, when they get into college and beyond, they they're already addicts Sit, they no don't physical know how to activity function. and this is why they'll film a woman being punched versus stepping in and this is why i still so love south africa we got a lot of problems south african men have their own problems but they're men we're still raising we're still raising and i'm raising my three-year-old son as a south african male he's gonna love he's gonna love god but he's going to be a, a in control warrior you know i'll tell you uh, something funny about that so my son when he was very little he got into trouble at school because he got into a fight and uh of course the school was upset and they told i think it was about six and the, the school said oh you know you got to use your words and you can't resolve things like that and so on and so on so i i called my husband was away i called one of my best friends who became the vice president of Afghanistan. And I said to him, I talked to him about it. And he said, it's good. That's good that he fought. And I said, why? And he said, because do you want your child to be a victim? 
you know, he was targeted by another kid who was antagonistic, cheated in a basketball game at school and got in his face telling him loser, loser. So, you know, he, he fought back. And uh, I thought about that. At first, I thought, how can I call an Afghan for this kind of advice? <laughs> because in Afghanistan, <laughs> you're going to stand up for yourself or you're going to die, right? So it's, uh, it's very much part of the culture. But I thought about it a lot after that. I thought, am I teaching my child to be a victim? I said to the teacher, what must he do in that situation? They said, well, he must come find a teacher and we'll deal with it. Oh, so now you want him to be a victim and a snitch, right? And, you know, my one of my uh, colleagues at the time at 60 Minutes said to me, well, he can never win a fight at school, you know. And so that's what I told him. I said, look, you're always going to lose this one. And he said, but mom, no one at school is going to mess with me again. And he was right. Yeah. Nobody ever did. And I'm not saying it's right to get into fights, but there are some there are some uncomfortable lessons of life. But there's a moment. But there's a moment. Look, we always say like the Second Amendment, we, we, we don't carry because we want to use it. We don't want to. No. We don't ever want to fire. It's not like we, we, we want to. It is, it, is, it is the moment when all has abandoned you why the Second Amendment was written. When your government and the people will not defend you and your family, you must have the ability to then pull out that resource, whether it is a hand or a strong word or a physical, uh, you know, someone, someone walks up on my family in public Sorry, you are destination ER. Well, you know, what I think about um, when it comes to that is I think about, for example, all across northern Nigeria, in all these little isolated rural villages where Christians live and they're being systematically wiped from the face of the earth. In Nigeria, the people do not have the right to bear arms. And yet these these, uh, Muslim extremists can come into their villages. They are primarily nomadic herdsmen, and so the State Department says it's climate change. But when they come into these villages, they don't talk about climate change. They say, Allahu Akbar, right? And they, they repeat the ideology and uh, of Al-Qaeda and other Muslim extremists. So they identify themselves as yeah. Muslim extremists, but yeah. we excuse them. But what they do, they go into these villages, and they are, they are armed, and they have massacred tens of thousands thousands of unarmed people. So that for me puts it in stark contrast. You have people who are not able to defend themselves. Their government, their state is not defending them. Mm -hmm. And yet if they pick up a weapon, they're vigilantes Mm -hmm. in the narrative, Mm -hmm. right? But the people coming in to kill them who are fully armed, who are allowed to kill with impunity. Self-identifying as as terrorists and extremists. they're, They're allowed to get away with it. And so in that situation, you have to ask, would they be coming into those villages like that, killing with impunity, if the people were armed? No. They wouldn't. No. Now, not saying that, you Because know, consequence is a beautiful thing. <laughs> consequence makes you think. Consequence is real. Consequence makes you hesitate, and it's biblical. It says, if you love, you will discipline. Which means, if you don't discipline, you actually don't love. Now let's talk about the left's narrative of love without discipline. It's not love. It's self-satisfying, self-gratifying. It's virtue signaling. It is this incredibly shallow virtue of doing good. It is philanthropy with, with, with prejudice. It is help with, with condition. 
and it's all self-serving it's, it's all, not love it's, a, it's hatred dressed up as love exactly it's what it is you yeah. know um there was someone in your film uh sex nation who said it last night when we watched it it who said it best he said and i had never heard it put that way it was so simple and he said we've made love a god instead of worshiping a god that's Michael Miller. Pastor Michael Miller said we've enthroned love as God instead of enthroning the God who is love. Yes. And the God who is love is a God of order, is a God of discipline. When you make love God, you don't need order, discipline. It doesn't need to be unconditional. You can rewrite the story. And that's happening in love like yes. the virtual world. You just love everybody. Under what condition? Well, it's fluid. No condition. How do you right? feel? Mm. How do you feel? Yeah. Laura, we could go forever. Um, please, please be back. I will. Please. <laughs> I will. For a long, long session of <laughs> diving into um, Benghazi. Oh, and, yeah. And your work. <laughs> and, and, I can't wait. And, and your voice. And I want to play the clips through your career. And then say, I really want to do this, Rebecca, when she comes back. I want to play a clip and say, hey, let's watch Laura together, and then say, what was going on in that moment in your mind? You know what did it take to get there? And what's interesting about that, Yaku, is uh, they want to erase my 16 years at 60 I Minutes I and, want you know, to. in my career. And, and in the digital world, they can. Yeah. They can just erase it. They mm. can just make you whoever they want to mm. make you. Mm. you know, and that's, I think, what people... Uh, we don't teach our kids about digital hygiene. We don't teach them about surveillance. We don't teach them about the negative aspects of technology. Um, and we should. We can. That's within our grasp, yeah. every one of us. Uh, guys, please, Laura Logan, where do people find you now? They can find me on. I'm on Twitter as long as Elon is telling the truth. Hey, listen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. As I'll another run, fellow I'll, South African, hey, by listen, the way. Hey, listen, we can call his sister Tosca <laughs> and say, put pressure on your brother to stay South African here. Don't become, don't get weird on us. As so. they say, don't forget your roots. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. um, he's from, uh, was it Durban? No, mm -hmm. he's from Joburg, isn't he? Mm. Combination. Yeah. yeah. So He's a South African boy. It's in his blood. You can't. You, it's there. Yeah, it you can see it, it. It doesn't leave. No. It doesn't leave. No. So you can find me on Twitter. Um, and also on Truth Social and on Locals. Okay, please. Laura Logan, um, one of a kind, guys. And uh, truly, I, I, I have a love and an appreciation for this woman, for her history, for her voice, what she has stood through. And that's what I really, the story I want to tell you, what this woman's walked through and how she has stayed through the attack and she's still here and i believe firmly and i've said this to you before your best days your best work is still ahead of you we can look back at 60 minutes and it was incredible it was incredible that moment in time that benghazi moment was incredible but i firmly believe the best is still ahead of you because it's the greatest time to be alive we can make the biggest impact Please don't forget Patriot Mobile, Glenn Story and the team at Patriot Mobile, who told me last night that they will buy you out of your contract <laughs> from AT&T up to $500. That's from the CEO. Now, his team may swing about at me, but he told me to tell you they will buy you out of your contract. They do not fund Planned Parenthood. They will fund initiatives like our initiative on the border, rescuing children. Check out Patriot Mobile. They use all the major cell towers. And also check out Storyville Coffee. 
literally the dollars here going to rescuing children out of trafficking storyville coffee number one roaster in the nation they love the lord they have your values let's start voting with our dollar let's start supporting those who support us laura logan love you thank you so much april Sorry. thank you we'll give you a bag to go home with you storyville coffee and patriot Smells mobile good. god bless you thank you so much talk to you next time